welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in er and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Stat, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. And I'm your host, Karen Wickiam, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada, the home of the Raptors. That's right. I am going to take a minute to brag here because my beautiful city is alive with the NBA championships and our Raptors are going all the way. Kawhi me a river, yeah, Kawhi me a river. All right, I'm done now. Okay, I'm back with part two of the history of human experiments. It's been a little while since I've been gone because I had to take a break because a lot of the subject matter that I deal with is really heavy and I, I need the time to clear up my head and sort out all the kind of darkness. I'm one of those sort of extra sensitive people that feel a lot. And I'm not saying that those out there don't, but I feel a lot. And getting into these cases really messes with my head after a while, but I think they need to be told. So here I am back with the History of Human Experiments Part 2, and it's going to be ugly. I'm giving a warning up front here because I'm about to talk about Nazi Germany and Unit 731 in Japan. I'm hard-pressed to think of a more terrible period of time than World War II and all its atrocities. It wasn't just a war for power, one country trying to impose its will on another. This war included genocide, eugenics, and racial cleansing, and no other country was more excited to get into this than Nazi Germany. From 1933 to 1945, Nazi Germany carried out a campaign to cleanse German society of individuals viewed as biological threats to the nation's health. The Nazis enlisted the help of physicians and medically trained geneticists, psychiatrists, and anthropologists to develop racial health policies. These policies began with the mass sterilization of many people in hospitals and other institutions and ended with a near annihilation of the European Jewish people. Jewish people from Poland, Germany, Australia, Transylvania, Romania, and other surrounding countries were round up and forced into cattle cars and trains. They were packed tightly into the cars and treated like animals. They were given no food or drink and had to relieve themselves in overflowing buckets. The temperatures were freezing and they had to huddle together for warmth. The stench, the filth, and the despair was overwhelming. Some were driven to madness or lost all hope, committed suicide on the train or killed their babies rather than have them suffer. They would arrive days later, forced off the trains and divided into different groups by the Nazis. The terrified people smelled the smoke of burning murdered bodies and had thought the ashes falling onto their faces was snow. The main decision-maker in Auschwitz was Mengele, who decided a person's fate with the flick of a finger. It was during this selection process that Ruth Elias, several months pregnant, came across Mengele for the first time. And Mengele was there. 
and some other SS people. And I saw from far that women all naked are going between two SS and their Mengele stands and making light, left, right, left. And with his hand he waved. I didn't know this. Either life, death, life, death. If the person was elderly, too young or infirm, they were put into a group to be sent to a gas chamber to be murdered immediately or sent to the crematoriums to be burned alive. Able-bodied men and women were divided into work camps. Mangala's main interest was twins and the disabled. He also had a special interest in hair color and those with different color eyes. He would collect the eyeballs of those with different colored eyes and see if he could change their color. He would do specific twisted experiments on some of the disabled and others were sent to their death. He was obsessed with twins because he could do terrible experiments on them and compare them to each other. His goal was to find a way to build a master race. The horrific, torturous depravity was beyond anything we could ever understand. The twins were treated marginally better than the rest of the prisoners at the camp. Twin survivors remember Mangala referring to him as his children and would smile and speak kindly to them while preparing to perform the most terrific of experiments. Vera Alexander, a deportee, recalls how he operated on twins in an attempt to join them together like Siamese twins. Another assessment brought them back in a terrible state. They were cut at the, the boy or the girl, the hunchback, was sewn to the other one, back to back, the wrist back to back. It was a terrible smell also, already, uh, gangrene. The cuttings were dirty, and the children did cry day and night. There is a book called Children of the Flames, Dr. Joseph Mengele and the Untold Story of the Twins of Auschwitz. It's written by Lucette Matalon Legnato and Sheila Kondekel, survivors of the Holocaust. And I'm going to put it in the show notes, so if you ever want to pick it up and get their view of what happened, it's, uh, it's a tough read. But again, I think that we need to keep this in our minds so that we can stop things from happening again or from what's happening still today. During the experiments, there were no measures to reduce pain because the children were Jews and the doctors did whatever they pleased. Mengele conducted two types of experiments on twins. One type traced the genetic origins of certain diseases. The second was related to how germs would spread if used for warfare. Identical twins who shared the same genes were perfect subjects for determining the relationship between heredity and the environment. One twin would be injected with a bacteria or a virus and they would get desperately sick and were not given food or water. They wanted them to die. That way they could do an autopsy and compare the two bodies. How could anyone trained to heal the sick and help the suffering perform such cruel experiments? One explanation from historians is this. 
Germany had overcrowded and filthy slums where people were desperately poor and deadly diseases spread like wildfire. Many Germans' flawed thinking was that the conditions were caused by inferior individuals who lived there. They singled out people with mental illness, disabilities, and criminals as the cause. These superior-thinking individuals wanted to make it illegal for these people to marry and have children. These arrogant and despicable people reasoned that Germans with the best traits would survive and that only their children could continue to create a superior human race. These doctors believed that racial hygiene was a way to prevent future generations of Germans from acquiring disease and or becoming criminals. The Nazi government legalized racial hygiene. For such smart people to become doctors and apparently understanding how the body works, how things work, you think they would be smarter to know that any of these things can happen to anybody at any given time. And heredity is heredity. But obviously their intent was not out of racial hygiene or whatever they decided because, you know, they knew best. They did this out of prejudice and sick hatred. One such law ordered people with genetic disorders such as blindness, deafness, or physical and mental disabilities to be sterilized so they could not have children. This law led to more than 350,000 Germans to be sterilized. By 1939, German doctors putting to death people with mental illness and with handicaps felt that they were not considered worthy to live. And this was a direct order from Hitler. With all these deprived laws and policies put into place to support racial hygiene, the Nazi doctors in the concentration camps felt free to experiment on anyone anytime they wanted. They targeted homosexuals, people that they called gypsies, people of Slavic origin, those that were against the Nazi regime, as well as communists and socialists. Here are some of the other experiments. I considered not discussing these because I don't want to exploit their torture but we cannot forget about these atrocities, like I said before. I can't overlook and dismiss their lives because it's uncomfortable to talk about. Naked inmates at the Dachau camp in southern Germany were forced to stay outside in freezing temperatures for 9 to 14 hours and were left in freezing cold water. Doctors were trying to stimulate the hazards of what aviators faced when parachuting in the frigid North Sea. Doctors placed inmates into airtight chambers at Dachau, and then manipulated the air pressure by reducing and increasing the amount of oxygen. Doctors wanted to see what it was like for aviators to freefall into space without oxygen or a parachute. Doctors at the Natzweiler Strothoff and the Sachsenhausen camps in Germany performed a variety of experiments with mustard gas, a chemical that causes skin damage to the skin, eyes, and body organs. They injected inmates with the gas or forced them to inhale or drink it. They rubbed the gas into wounds. At the Ravensbrück camp for women in northern Germany, broken glass, bacteria, and pieces of wood were forced into the open wounds. Doctors at the Buschenwald camp in Germany, and also at the Dachau and Natzweiler Struthoff, experimented with cures for many deadly diseases, including malaria, typhus, and yellow fever. Inmates were forced to drink salty water at Dachau. Doctors wanted to find out how to make seawater drinkable for shipwrecked sailors or pilots. To study how best to kill people, prisoners at Buschenwald were fed poisoned food. At Auschwitz, Buschenwald, and Ravensbrück, doctors experimented with techniques to sterilize people, including irritating solutions, chemical injections, surgery, and x-rays. 
Next, I'm going to talk about Unit 731. Most of us have heard about the horrible experiments on humans by the Nazis. The Nazis were not alone in conducting cruel experiments on humans. One of the lesser known atrocities of the 20th century was committed by the Imperial Japanese Army's Unit 731. Some of the details of this unit's activities are still uncovered. One of the most closely guarded secrets of World War II was the atrocious activities that took place there. This secret was held for over 40 years. In 1984, Japan finally acknowledged what they had all along denied, that they had conducted file experiments on humans by the unit in preparation for germ warfare. Unit 731 eventually grew into an assembly line for weaponized diseases that, if fully deployed, could have killed everyone on Earth several times over. These experiments caused limitless suffering of human prisoners who were held as test subjects in disease incubators until Unit 731 disbanded at the end of the war. They deliberately infected these innocent people with viruses and bacteria, anthrax, cholera, and other pathogens. An estimated 3,000 of enemy soldiers and civilians were used as guinea pigs. Unit 731 was set up in 1938 in Japanese-occupied China with the aim of developing biological weapons. It also operated a secret research and experimental school in Shinjuku, central Tokyo. Its head was the sick son-of-a-bitch Lieutenant Shiro Ishii. Lieutenant Ishii was Japan's equivalent to Germany's Mengele. The unit was supported by Japanese universities and medical schools, which supplied doctors and research staff. The picture now emerging about this in the activities is horrifying. Some of the more horrific experiments included vivisection without anesthesia, pressure chambers to see how much a human could take before their eyes popped out. Hashimuro Hisato was a physiologist assigned to Unit 731. He took a special interest in the effects of hypothermia on the human body. As part of the study into limb injuries, Hisato routinely submerged prisoners' limbs in a tub of water filled with ice and had their arm or leg held in the tank until it was frozen solid and a coat of ice was formed over their skin. When they removed the limb, it would make a sound like a chunk of wood when hit with a cane. Hisato then tried different methods to rapidly warm the frozen limb. He sometimes did this by pouring hot water over the appendage or holding it on an open fire. Sometimes he would leave the subject untreated overnight to see how long it took for the victim's blood and tissues to thaw. The victims of these horrific abuses were called the Murata, which translates into wood. They did this in order to dehumanize them. At first, these patients were volunteers from the army, but the experiments reached the limits of what could be observed. When they were no longer able to get volunteers, the unit turned to Chinese prisoners of war and civilian prisoners to conduct their horrific experiments. Another horrifying experiment was to cut open a person and remove their organs without anesthesia. Thousands of men, women, and children, mostly Chinese communist prisoners and elderly farmers, were infected with diseases such as cholera and the plague. Then they had their organs removed for examination before they died in order to study the effects of the disease without the decomposition that occurs after death. Victims also had their limbs amputated and reattached to the other side of their body. The next sick and twisted type of experiment involved testing the effectiveness of various weapons on humans. To determine the effectiveness, Unit 731 packed prisoners together on a firing range 
and shot them from different locations using multiple different Japanese weapons like pistols, rifles, machine guns, and grenades. They would study the wound patterns and penetration depths. They also used bayonets, swords, knives, unbound victims. They would use flamethrowers on both clothed and unclothed people. Not only that, gas chambers were set up at the unit facilities and the human subjects were exposed to nerve gas and blister agents. Bound prisoners had heavy objects dropped on them to study crush injuries. Victims were locked up and deprived of food and water so that they could see how long humans could go and survive without them. And like Nazi doctors, they were forced to drink seawater. Prisoners were given injections of mismatched human or animal blood to study the transfusion and clotting. The monstrous doctors also exposed thousands of research participants to x-rays that sterilized or killed them. They also directed the x-rays intentionally on the genitals, nipples, and face to cause the most pain and disfigurement as possible. The researchers wanted to study the high g-forces on pilots and falling paratroopers. When the sick bastards were done with these tragically abused people, they would be shot or killed by lethal injection, and some were just buried alive. No one survived. Before Japan's surrender, the site of the experiments was completely destroyed so that no evidence was left. Then the remaining 400 prisoners were shot, and employees of the unit had to swear to secrecy. The mice they kept in the laboratory were then released, which could have cost the lives of 30,000 or more people since the mice were infected with the bubonic plague, and the mice were the cause of the spread of the bubonic plague in the past. Few of those involved with Unit 731 have admitted their guilt. Some caught in China at the end of the war were arrested and detained, but only a handful of them were prosecuted for war crimes. In Japan, not one was brought to justice. Some reports say that the post-war American administration made a deal with Japan and gave them immunity for prosecution in return for details on their experiments. Some of the worst criminals, including Hisato Yushimura, who was in charge of the frostbite experiments, went on to occupy key medical and other posts in public and private sectors. The Nuremberg Code. After Germany lost the war in 1945, the survivors of the concentration camps were freed. The world was horrified by the atrocities that took place. On October 1946 to April 1949, the U.S. formed a military tribunal known as the Doctors' Trial at Nuremberg, Germany. 23 doctors and health officials stood trial for conspiracy to commit and committing war crimes against humanity. 15 were convicted and 7 were found not guilty and an additional doctor was convicted of lesser charges. 7 of the doctors were executed by hanging. The others received prison sentences, some for life. Megala was arrested immediately upon the end of the war, but he was let go because they didn't know about his experiments. He fled to South America and lived a nice long life. He had a stroke and drowned in a lake in 1979. It's disgusting to think that only 23 doctors stood trial. The entire health community of Nazi Germany embraced the atrocities. They were all to blame. During the Nuremberg trial, the Nazi doctors showed no sorrow or remorse. They even defended the experiments. They also said that during wartime, the actions of right and wrong could and should be sacrificed for the good of the country. They justified that hurting and killing people in the name of medicine was okay if it was for the greater good of the country. Besides, they were only following orders. And their other excuses were that the Jewish people were going to die in camps anyway. That this was an opportunity for the Jewish people to cleanse themselves. 
They, the doctors were never taught morals and ethics for deciding what was right and wrong. You know, it's not their fault they were never taught. They fully reasoned that the belief that inferiors threatened the health and welfare of Germany and that they required that these people be murdered in order to save Germany. They also stated that the U.S. were no better as they did the same type of experiments on the prisoners, and that was about the only thing they got right. At the end of it all, the Nuremberg Code was put into place. Ten ethical standards for the human subject medical experimentation were made into law, the number one being informed consent with voluntary involvement. The Nuremberg Code was the building block for the medical ethics that are in place today. So that's about all I can do this episode because, well, for obvious reasons. There are many things that I wanted to go off on throughout this thing, but probably half this episode would just be me freaking out about how horrific and disgusting this is. But there's one thing that I am going to say that I just can't hold back on, is that at that time, and anywhere in the world, whether it be KKK, Nazis, anyone who feels that a race, an ability, gender, homosexuality, or the choice of who you love, anyone who feels that they are superior to another human being and deserve rights over and above those human beings that they feel gives them free reign to abuse and bully and take away their human rights and even kill them is a sociopath, is a psychopath or has been taught to be one. So in my estimation, in my beliefs, those people, that way of thinking is the inferior population of this world. And it tears me that groups like this can band together and create so much harm, so much harm. This is where I'm going to end this episode after I get off my soapbox here, but uh, I couldn't just not end this without having something to say. Thank you for the amazing iTunes reviews I got from Casey O490, Straighter RN, Matt Martino, 100% Puzzle User, Julia Argulia, that's a great name, and IF or IF63. Thank you so much. It means the world to me. I know I've taken a bit of a hiatus lately. Like I said before, this stuff gets to me, but I'm going to be putting out new and regular episodes starting very soon. And you can find me on Twitter at stat underscore tales. You can find my Facebook group. It's stat shocking traumas and treatments. It's a closed group, but you know what? Pretty much everybody gets in. (laughs) And uh, if you feel like leaving me a review, that's fantastic. I've put my Patreon on hold for now until I can put out some more regular stuff. And either way, I want to thank you for listening and take care of yourself, take care of one another, love one another, but most importantly, love yourself. Peace, one love. True crime and it gets none realer. Sometimes it'll be the cure that'll kill you. Gotta watch out, yeah, you gotta watch your back. Cause you don't wanna be another episode on stat. Thank you for tuning in, learn a thing or two. These medical mysteries can be unbelievable, yeah. Subscribe, make sure you do that so you'll be tuned in and be ready for the next show. Stat.